0: That you can use in your own classroom for more information about music first please visit www.musicfirst.com there you'll be able to find out about all of our platforms as well as sign up for a free 30-day trial amanda Mita received her bachelor's degree in music from suny potsdam's crane school of music and went on to receive her master's degree in elementary education from suny potsdam as well In 2005, Amanda began teaching band in Livingston Manor, New York. She continued her career in Middletown, New York, accepting a position as a band director at Twin Towers Middle School in 2006. When the orchestra program began full-time at Twin Towers in 2010, Amanda transitioned to her current position as director of orchestras. Since that time, she has started both the Chamber Orchestra and co-founded Full Orchestra at Twin Towers Middle School. Both groups perform in and outside of the Middletown community. Amanda has conducted both band and orchestra all-county ensembles and is a past presenter at the New York State Band Directors Association and NJMEA conferences. In addition, Amanda directs the Spring Musical in her school. Allegra Smith has taught band at Twin Towers Middle School in Middletown, New York for 10 years. She received her bachelor's degree in music education and performance clarinet from Ithaca College in 2008. She earned her master's degree in music performance, also in clarinet, from the University of Colorado Boulder in 2010. During her time at Twin Towers, she has taught 6th grade band, 7th and 8th grade concert band, and general music. Allegra has also conducted the student pit band for the annual musical, and co-founded the Full Orchestra. She also serves as a secretary for the Orange County Music Educators Association. Allegra has previously presented at the New York State Band Directors Association and NJMEA conferences. I'm very pleased this week to welcome for the first time ever two guests, um, Amanda and Allegra, who both teach at Twin Towers Middle School in the Middletown, New York City School District. So Allegra and Amanda, welcome to the show. I'm absolutely thrilled that you can both be on. This is very cool for me. Thank you. So um, Amanda, um, you are uh, the string teachers at the middle school and Allegra, you are the band director. And just to put all of this into perspective, um, Middletown City Schools is one of the largest Music First customers in the world. Um, you guys met uh, our fantastic New York rep, Jason Panucci, at the NISMA conference a couple years ago. And uh, we are thrilled with the implementation that you guys have done. I've been up myself to Middletown a couple times to do some trainings. Um, And what I'd love to hear um, before we get into the nuts and bolts of how you're using our platform and technology in general, um, we'll start with Amanda and and then go on to Allegra. Amanda, if you could let us know, know how you got to now, so where you went to undergrad and up to this point, how long you've been teaching, it'd be great to get that perspective.
1: Sure. So I um, started my undergrad at the Crane School of Music up at SUNY Potsdam. I was a violist. Um, I finished up there. I did my grad work also at Potsdam. I my first job was actually a small town uh, living in some manor, and I actually taught band there to start off. Oh wow! And then I, yeah, I was hired in two thousand six uh, in January. Uh, the previous teacher had left. And I started teaching my career teaching band at Twin Towers Middle School. So I did that until 2010, September 2010, when the string program became full-time at Twin Towers. And I've been there ever since. So I've watched the program go from 25 students, the orchestra program, to now we have about 170 in the whole program.
0: At the middle school?
1: Yes, just at the middle school.
0: Oh, my There's, goodness! Wow! We have over
1: eight hundred in the district we third through twelfth grade
0: That's fantastic yeah so uh, another crane person excellent i've 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 interviewed a few. What a great place I've been there numerous times it's, uh, so it's a good
1: place <laughs> yeah
0: Allegra, let's hear your story.
1: Um
2: I did my undergrad work at Ithaca College in um clarinet performance and music education. And then I went right into my master's um, out at University of Colorado Boulder for two years. In oh, cool. Years. Um, so got to move across the country for that. And then I came and jumped right into Middletown. Um, it is still my first job. I've, you know, been there ever since. So this is my 10th year teaching um, band in Middletown.
0: So when you got the band gig, uh, Allegra, um, uh, that's when Amanda, you shifted to strings.
2: Yeah. Exactly. I technically took her job.
0: All right. Yeah, very, very okay. cool. Excellent. So Ithaca College, another amazing uh, music ed program. My daughter goes to Cornell, uh, just, to, just across the other hill. Um, great town, great school. And University of Colorado Boulder, interestingly enough, I'll be meeting with their students virtually next week uh, to talk about what we do. So very cool. So Allegra, you've been there 10 years and Amanda, if I did my math right, 14 years?
1: Yes, more than I care to admit some days.
0: <laughs> All right, very good. So uh, what I'd love to do next then, and we'll uh, we'll keep in the same order. So so Amanda, why don't you go through what your teaching responsibilities are? Like what does what your day look like? What groups are you in charge of? That kind of thing.
1: Sure. So I teach 7th uh, grade orchestra, 8th grade orchestra, small group lessons to sixth through eighth grade, and then we have a really unique class at Twin Towers Middle School called, um, we call it theory, so it's orchestra theory, and I teach that to seventh grade, and it is a whole group place where we can teach uh, technique, we can get into more of the music fundamentals, Um, so we have ensembles, and then we have a standalone class for that as well.
0: So that class is separated out really for all the stuff you can't do during the performance rehearsals. Do I have that right?
1: Right. And our performance ensembles don't meet in whole groups very often. I see uh, my whole group together once every six days. And because because of the rotating schedule, sometimes I see, you know, the, the one group of students who sing, and then another day I'll see my students who are in biology and then on the third day because we're every other day, on the third day, I get my whole group together. So it also helps fill that void a little bit.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. And do you have any before or after school responsibilities, or, or you're just teaching strings all day every day?
1: Oh well, no, I do plenty after school. I also um, Allegra and I run the full orchestra together, um, and then I do a chamber orchestra after school, and I direct our school musical.
0: All right, Of course. Now, when you say full orchestra, that means wind instruments, uh, you know, brass, uh, everybody, everyone, you know, like like a full orchestra. Or is it, is that...
1: Yes, we, it's a it's a symphonic orchestra with the instrumentation that we have available.
0: To me, that's really it sounds very unique for a middle school. Is, is that am I wrong on that?
1: No, it is. It is pretty unique. Um, and in fact, sometimes finding music for the instrumentation we have, we we, we get pretty creative
0: that's that's pretty awesome i don't i mean I taught middle school strings as part of my responsibility, and i would i I wouldn't have dreamed of having my band members in that group just because of key signatures, all those kind of gnarly things that you know when you have younger musicians together I, i'm I'm not surprised to hear that repertoire can be a challenge
1: yeah and it it is it's a unique it's a unique situation and the, the idea is that they will. Be able to go into the high school or into you know upper level ensembles and already have that in their background
0: that's fantastic all right so uh, allegra same question to you what does your day look like as well as after school before school activities
2: sure uh very similar to amanda's but on the band side of things um our seventh and eighth grade bands are combined into one concert band Similar challenges. I only see the whole group together one out of six. I'll see varying groups of kids different days, so it's always a challenge of which percussionist do I have on this day versus that day. Um, I also have seventh grade theory class, um, and then small group lessons of band instruments, grade six through eight, and then I also teach a section of sixth grade general music that meets for half the year. So I had my first kids through the end of January, and I just started my second group about a month ago. Um, after school, there's that full orchestra, um, and then I direct the pit band for the musical that Amanda's our overall director for. Oh, um, cool. So we kind of get an overture going of whatever the show is, and it's just a way to get more kids involved in the drama program, Of because we all know we have those music nerds who wouldn't be caught dead on stage. This right. is, loops them into the experience
0: so I, I may have uh, i may have missed it but what i'm hearing from both of you or at least i think is that the sixth graders don't have their own ensemble or, or have i messed that up
1: no they do other people direct it so, so there there's two full-time orchestra directors and two full-time band directors in our in our building
0: wow Wow. That's Again, I know that in certain parts of the country, that's obvious, but uh, in my entire career, I was the only or maybe one of two instrumental teachers in a middle school. So the other teachers, so you have a full-time sixth grade and then they're filling in gaps in other places?
1: Correct. Yes. So the um, orchestra teacher does um, sixth grade orchestra, sixth grade orchestra theory, and small, small group lessons. And we share the sixth or eighth grade small group lessons so that we can service more kids in different periods. Because it's still in New York State, we still have the pullout lesson structure.
0: No, absolutely. And same for you, uh, Allegra?
2: Yes. Yep. We have a sixth grade band teacher. um, And she also shares some of the general music. And then we have a chorus teacher and a full-time general music teacher. So we kind of split up all that general music amongst a couple of us.
0: So if I've got my math right, that's six six music teachers at, at your middle school. Correct. Yes. Wow. Again, the exception not the rule. I'm sure that there are people that teach in New York and New Jersey going, "What?" And that just <laughs> sounds that sounds uh like uh Middletown has a really strong commitment to the arts. Uh, would that be yeah. fair to say?
1: It certainly does. And in all fairness, it is a very large building. We have almost 1,200 students in our building. Ah, so, okay. um, There you go. It's a big population. And like we just, the full-time orchestra teacher was added, uh, it's new to our building this year. Wow. So they're also committed to growing the program uh, on top of the number of students we have.
0: And so just to give, I mean, a lot of, I know exactly where Middletown, New York is. It's about an hour and a half northwest of New York City, maybe a little further, depending on traffic. Um, But um, just for everyone else, I mean, how many schools are there in the district? Do you know that? I mean, how many middle schools, for example?
2: There are two middle schools, us um, and the other middle school. We have three elementary schools, um, one high school. Um, we are considered a high-need school um, all of our students are provided with breakfast and lunch um, without worrying about cost the district provides that to everybody our k-8 through students um, are provided with pencils and notebooks the district has taken that over so students don't have to worry about school supplies so as you can imagine on the music end of things we provide Most of the school instruments for our students, very few of our instruments rent or very few of our students rent or own their own instruments. Um, And there's been great support to getting lots of instruments and pretty decent quality instruments. Um, I provide reeds for kids, you know, and and they're pretty responsible with them, you know, no cost to the kids. So there's a lot of support to make sure students have what they need to be successful.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, uh, uh, again, I would say that uh, Middletown as a city uh, tilts towards the kind of uh, mid to lower socioeconomic status among the, you know, the much wider kind of uh, spectrum of, of statuses. But every time I've gone up to your school district, in my opinion, the schools are gorgeous. They're beautiful. Um, the high school is huge. Uh, that the school that I remembered coming to visit you in the in the uh, for the trainings was an elementary school, and it was one of the most beautiful elementary schools I've been to. So it's really nice to hear that in a district that has some socioeconomic challenges for the kids that are coming there, that they're getting top quality facilities, obviously very very strong music teachers, music program, and access to instruments. It's very heartwarming to hear that. I, I'm sure you're. Uh, I'm sure uh, that you that you understand that that's not the norm in, in other places.
1: We feel really lucky. Um, our previous superintendent was very committed to erasing the look and feel of poverty. Yep. And and making you know you need to have pride about where you go to school. Absolutely. So he was pretty committed to that. He was also very committed to the three proud approach to education, arts, academics and athletics. We have one of, we also have one of the top-notch athletic uh, stadium complex in the state. So we have good facilities all around.
0: Absolutely. Well, great. That gives, that paints a picture for everybody yeah. where you're coming from and, and your program. I, I thoroughly appreciate that. So um, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm imagining that you went to NISMA, you, you heard about music first and there might have been a light bulb moment, but were you using technology before then? Were you looking for something? So I guess the question, and I'll start with Amanda, is that at at what point did technology come into your teaching?
1: So uh, I kind of stumbled upon it by accident. The position I took over for which was mid-year, the previous person was, uh, he ran a recording studio and because he realized that our students consumed a lot of music and at the time i mean it was 2006 it wasn't as re- you know what we have today looked very different than what was going on back then yeah. and so he allowed students to come in we they would produce their own records they were you know we were still making cds back then and um i kind of fell into it by accident and when you take a job you say that you know how to do it um, absolutely <laughs> I quickly learned, I mean, it was GarageBand. We had a very old, outdated Mac. Um, and I ran that from 2005 to 2009 uh, and did a variety of really interesting projects. I mean, it was a really, it, that kind of was eye-opening to me that the students were learning how to use the technology faster than I was. And so I kind of learned to take a step back and let them teach me. Well, I guided them through the music creation process. So they taught me the technology, And I helped them create the, you know, the music and making it the sound that they wanted. And then we were kind, our hand was kind of forced. Um, They took away our desktop computers. We don't have them in the district anymore. So in 2015, we needed to find an alternative. Um, So we we kind of, our hand was forced on what are we going to do? We were looking around for something to replace, you know, the desktop programs of Finale, Sibelius, Smart music, what can we do that can be portable and yep. web
0: based? So you guys went Chromebook. Yes. I uh, get it. So um, same question to you, Allegra. How did you I mean, so Amanda was kind of like surprise you're doing this, it sounds like. And yes. then you you figured it all out and got to a point where you felt comfortable. Uh, so Allegra, yeah, a question, the same question to you.
2: Um, it was a little different for me because before we made the switch to Chromebooks, we weren't really using a lot of student technology i kind of came in in that little bit of gap time um where it was you know teachers were using music technology on desktops but it was rare to get the kids on there maybe the kids would use smart music um, up on the smart board during lunch to kind of play around but there wasn't really much formal things going on so once we went to a one-to-one chromebook district in seventh grade our kids um you know get a chromebook and can take it home that was really kind of the the push to get on board and okay this technology is in our kids hands they want to use it what tools do we have um because it's making them better musicians when they want to use these tools so how can we support that
0: right so then it would be fair to say amanda that um you needed a solution for chromebooks you were looking for one actively and you came a, a, you, i guess you came across music first and said bingo correct
1: yeah um you know, we were, we were really looking for something that could become portable as we were becoming portable. Right. And music first was there and solved a lot of those problems for us.
0: So, um, Allegra, you guys, I believe have had music first now for uh, four years, three or four years.
2: Uh, yeah, I think, yep, four, maybe five.
0: Four, yep. maybe five years. So why don't you talk about what types of things uh, that you're doing? Uh, you know, How are you integrating music first into your band program? And then, Amanda, I'll ask the same for you. So first with Allegra.
2: Sure. Um, we use it for a little bit of everything. It's, it's one of those, once, once you start, it's like, oh, I can use it for this, and I can use it for that. It's kind of hard to stop. So, um, Sight Reading Factory has been huge for us. Um, for people who aren't in New York State, we send kids to NISMA. It's a solo evaluation festival, and they need to do individual sight reading there. Once we've started using Sight Reading Factory, our scores have, our kids' scores have gone up in the sight reading portion because they can practice the sight reading skills ahead of time. And almost more important than their scores is their confidence. They are much more confident about sight reading. It is... We can really sell it as a skill you can practice, you can develop instead of a scary unknown. Um, so we'll do we'll do some sight reading practice in you know the theory classes in full group or in small group lessons, but kids can also log in and do it on their own at home. when they do when they're prepping for all county, when they're prepping for NISMA. Um, so that's been great to see. Um, we've also used practice first um, to give them ways to practice their band music and get feedback at home or when they're not with me in a lesson on one of those off days when they don't see me. So they can be working on their band music. If I put that in there for them, scale quizzes through practice first, they're all County solos. It's different solo every year to audition for all County. And I can put them all in practice first. They can hear them. They can work with them there. Um, And then we've used note flight to do a lot of compositions with that theory class. Um, And just having kids, once you teach them that it's there and how they use it, they love to play around with it for all sorts of things. Whether they're making compositions for themselves, um, I had a trumpet student who started putting all of her pieces into Note Flight. She didn't want to put them into practice first. I couldn't get her to do that. But she put them into Note Flight because she wanted to play them back and she'd want to play certain sections um, of it. So she just started putting music into Note Flight that was already created. And then she would go ahead and start making variations on it. So it's just oh, very cool. them tools to be creative in ways you wouldn't have even suggested. Um, so that's mostly how I use it for band. And then um, if you want me to talk about general music. Oh, please
0: do. Yeah, that'd be great.
2: Soundtrap has been huge for general music um, for me because it is just, it is so accessible to all sorts of kids. I tend to have more students with special needs in the general music class and they tend to be students with um quite a few needs and they're yeah. you know so it's it's tough to always reach all those students when we're working on pianos but you put them on Soundtrap and it gives them so many different visuals um in terms of the loops in terms of teaching form you can say hey are these two things the same color nope therefore They're different. Yep. So, um, and the other thing I found with special needs kids in general music with Soundtrap is they're they're equal with their peers. You can't make a mistake in Soundtrap. It's very hard for those loops to sound quote unquote bad. So they go for it because they can take risks and they will sound, they will produce a great product as, you know, no matter what they are clicking, that's equal to their peers. It's, you know, it's sixth grade. They're all starting to be aware of, who is different from whom and who is more talented than whom in their eyes. And Soundtrap has really helped kind of equalize that um, for some kids who really need it. So that's been, that's been really neat to see.
0: That's very uh, encouraging to hear and, 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 and also very important. Uh, I hope everyone heard that, what you just said. Uh, be, before I turn thing, the, the same question over to Amanda Allegra, I just wanted to make two quick comments and get your get your thoughts. Um, first of all, with sight reading, when I was a middle school band director, and I've said this in many sessions, but I've never said it in a podcast, I just didn't do sight reading because it was such a pain, you know, to, to go over to your library, pick something out, hand all that out, making sure that you had all those parts, and then for... The return was like, you know, three, four minutes of playing. The kids didn't do very well on it because they were sight reading because I did it so infrequently. You would pass all the music back. You hope you got the parts back. You put it back on the shelf. And then 12 minutes later, you know, you're, you've eaten up a third of your rehearsal, maybe more. And, and for what return? So something like Sight Reading Factory, uh, do, are you projecting it up on the board for them to look at?
2: It depends on um, the setting. If it's a small group lesson, definitely. If I had any other band room, absolutely. Unfortunately, my band room is a pentagon shaped with weird glare in (laughs) some windows in the afternoon.
0: Yeah, we 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 make do, but yeah, some there are some interesting shapes out there.
2: (laughs) Right. So no, I haven't found success with the. And it's a kicker because you know the shades and the sun. The timing of my class, the shape of my room, the size of it, we haven't found too much success with projecting for the bigger groups.
0: So you're using it more as an individualized go home and do this for homework type thing?
2: Yes. And then also in the lessons, because even in the lessons, I still may have, you know, a couple instruments together, especially if it's a makeup. So that, okay, everybody come on right up in the front row. You can all see, here we go. We can all do this together. So it just depends on the situation.
0: Got it. So the other point I had, and, and Amanda, I may actually ask you this question. If you, if you have, did you both have experience with smart music? Cause I'd love to get like yeah. the unvarnished truth about your opinions between the two products. Cause I've never asked a guest that and I'd love, so maybe Amanda, I'll, I'll ask that of you um, when, when we get to it. Okay. Sure. All right. So Amanda, um, thanks Allegra. Amanda, why don't you talk about how you're using music first with your string and your orchestra players?
1: So I do a lot of the same things that Allegra does. I do my seating auditions. I know Practice verse is not designed as an evaluative tool and I don't use it uh, the score on seating auditions I don't take as a grade. I simply use it to determine the seat and I make my so this way seating you earn your seat and I have plenty of students who submit not stellar scores because they know hitting submit and turning it in will give them 100 and they don't care if they sit towards the front they're happy to be an orchestra And then I have my high achieving students who really work to get those really high nineties or one hundreds. And, um, it also takes me out of it. I no longer hear anymore. Well, you know, you have a favorite. Because I can't have a favorite because practice first doesn't know who you are. Exactly. So so it eliminated that for me. I have a, um, you know, a a first violin problem where we all want to be in the front um and so it, it it got rid of that a little bit for me. Um, good a little also, bit drama's
0: removed. <laughs>
1: right and 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 you know what quite honestly it's the same seating i would come up with. It, yep. th- nothing is a shock but it just gets rid of that object you know uh, people thinking that i'm being subjective.
0: Yeah yeah absolutely.
1: So um and i i t- i shared with you a little bit when we met in new jersey uh you know recently i create all of my all county audition excerpts I put them into practice first and I have we had a record number of students for our young program get accepted into all county this year oh that's and fabulous. I credit it because they could use practice first they didn't need me giving them feedback they could be at home I showed them you know I really trained them through here's what you know you get the feedback bar on the bottom here's what it means don't ever hit submit I don't want to know what it says but you know what to work on. And I had most of my students who were accepted use that extensively.
0: That's great. So you're not giving it to them as an assignment for grading. You're giving it to them as a, as a way for them to, I mean, by the way, I'm the one who named the product. So practice first was the intent for them yeah. to practice and practice on their own and not always be a set, you know, graded on it, but just practice for, for the love of Pete, you know. Right. And
1: it was, it was assigned as, cause I needed to get them access to it. So it's an assignment. But in the directions, it says, do not submit. That's great. Yeah, Love I it. mean, they had to read the directions. Um, <laughs> but that's another story. So it's always a also, challenge. <laughs> yeah, with middle schoolers. I use Sight Reading Factory as a whole group. So I teach on stage, and not everybody can see my, my board, even though I do have one, um, you know, the, the screen that I project to. But I, I print it out to solve that problem. Oh, great. paper but I have people in charge of passing it out and then we just pass them in at the end of the period and I can reuse them for another class or recycle the papers. And my students learn a very, um, I have a systematic approach to sight reading. That sight reading factory has allowed me to implement that they know when they walk into the room, you better clap the rhythm. And I've actually had judges who weren't clear on the, um, you know, newer judges who weren't clear on the procedures who have told my students, I'm sorry, you can't clap. And they have said they they report back to me because they're twelve. Um, I I told the judge that my teacher said I was supposed to clap, and you know so they learn they learn a skill set and how to prepare those sight reading excerpts. And they all know they're supposed to shadow bow because we do it when you when you practice shadow bowing with forty seven people in the room, it's a lot less scary than by yourself. Yep. You know, so they they learn those techniques. Um, I also do really, I'm in the middle of a project right now using, um, I'm actually using Focus on Sound to teach some of the music history behind the whole planets. Um, you guys had a great uh, assignment, um, a unit on it. We're playing a, a compilation of it, you know, written at grade level. Yep. And then they are going to go use Soundtrap to create their own planet. And so we did this, yeah, we did this in the spring or in the fall, they created their uh, composition based on a landform in the country that they researched and they presented on. So now they're researching their planet, I won't make them present on it, but I will, they're going to create their own planet and then create a piece of music, you know, just like Gustav Holst did. Um, And then we'll share that with the class with anybody who's willing.
0: Oh, that's fantastic.
1: Yeah, they love it. And of course, composition and note flight, you know, like we do that stuff just like Allegra does as well.
0: Right. So uh, at this point, and and this is for either of you, so either one can jump in when you want, but um, as you've both had experience with smart music practice first, I've never asked a guest this before. Um, I don't know why. But I'd love to, again, nitty-gritty, tell me the good, the bad, and the ugly, because I, I don't want it to, the, our listeners to think that you're being put up to it. So what, what, are, your, what are your feelings about the two programs? That, you know What does what Practice First do really well? And, and what do you wish it, it did better at?
1: Is this, can I be brutally honest?
0: Oh, please, absolutely.
1: Okay. So when we first switched from Smart Music to Practice First, again, it was because we were trying to go portable. And at the time, Smart Music didn't have a cloud-based option. And I was very grouchy. I'm going to be really honest. That's great. Yeah, I understand. Smart Music. Yes, the nice thing about Smart Music is their library. And I I expressed it. I think I expressed it to you. I definitely expressed it to Jason. Like, I need a library. I don't have time. I need to be able to click, you know, give me those Suzuki book solos because they're all Alfred and I want to be able to generate them. you know, and just let, and post assignments, and show, and have my students practice, and, you know, and, and you guys try to talk me off the ledge the best you could, very kindly, (laughs) Um, and I have to say, now that we've been into it for four or five years, I have built my own library, I don't need, I put the time in, it did take time in the beginning, and I did it, I'm going to be honest, a little bit begrudgingly, Um, but now when I need to assign a scale test, or a scale practice assignment, you know, whichever we're doing, I have that. I can just pull it up. I'm not trying to make my expectations fit into smart music. Right, so, got it. The, in the beginning, I was really grouchy, and now I would, I, um, I'll also be brutally honest. I wouldn't switch back to smart music.
0: Well, that's good to hear. I appreciate that, and I really do like the honesty. And let, let me just explain before I let Allegra uh, give uh, give your opinion uh, is that when when we built um practice first you know it, it's built very differently there's a lot more rich feedback i think you'd you'd agree mm-hmm. um but the, when we were talking to music teachers saying well well what what what's essential they were like i just want the assessment algorithm on a chromebook to work please 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 i just, to me the accuracy uh the and and the rich feedback is so important uh, and 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 they said, of course, in a vacuum, yeah, I can make my own content. And we all know that no music teacher has the time uh, to sit there and, and start, you know, entering by hand line by line. But it's good to hear that over time you've built up this library and that you're happy with it. It makes me smile. Uh, and because I, I, I to the listeners, I had absolutely no idea. And Amanda, you'll agree, I didn't ask you this ahead of time. So it, no,
1: that was not. We I did not know that would come up, and I. Um, I just think it's important that I was really grouchy. I um, And when I'm grouchy, it, everybody around me knows.
0: Yeah, I, I, you, I get sure. it.
1: And I, it was a little bit, I was like, I, I had no choice because I wanted to adopt the technology. I, the assessment tools were really valuable. And I, I think the students have learned how to use that for themselves at this point now, too, as I've learned. But um, I wouldn't switch back. I really like being able to create my own content. And as you get better at creating it, it goes faster.
0: Yeah. All right, Allegra, same question to you.
2: So two main points that I'm thinking of besides everything that Amanda said. Um, I think the more you create your own content, like you said, the better you get at it. When I was first creating practice first content, I kept messing it up all over the place. I kept messing up the concert pitch versus their written pitch, and then the accidentals would be off, and then I get frustrated, I get grouchy. The more I have done it, now it is – and, you know, we've been on it for five years, and probably – I don't think I really used practice first that first year. I think I prioritize other stuff, so maybe even only four years – Right now, I just I know the program so well. I know what I need to do. That when I put my auditions in for next concert, like I will be able to kind of do that while having a TV show on in the background. Um, you know, playing music, other things. I'll be able to kind of have it as a secondary task. So it does definitely become more automatic with time, um, and it, it really it, it we I, I feel like we've both really grown with that, um, and it's helped our students, and. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead.
0: I mean, I, first of all, I, I appreciate both of your candor tremendously, and I think our listeners will as well. So any, anything else you wanted to say on that one?
2: The, when I started at Twin Towers, we just had a um, – and correct me if I'm wrong on this, Amanda – we just had a smart music account in the band room on that one computer. It wasn't like our students had their own individual accounts at home.
1: So, oh, no, you're 100% correct. Due to, because of our demographics – before we went one to one, many of our students did not have technology accessible to them in their house. Yep. Yeah. So
2: we didn't buy all the student subscriptions. We just had one teacher subscription. So it wasn't, we weren't really using it like it was supposed to, and therefore it wasn't doing that much for us. Right. So I think that's part of the reason why we can't imagine going back because now that we've jumped, you know, we moved to the new platform with the push to -to one-to-one and that's really shown the importance of each kid having their own individualized device and therefore their own individualized assessment.
0: So quick question, because I'm always curious, especially in a a city like Middletown, uh, do you think, it might just be a guess, but do you think, I mean, because one of the big differentiators between the two products is the fact that kids can do it on their phones, right? And we all know that kids are all over their phones. It's like they're, they're, now I don't know in Middletown, you know, are these kids using it on their phones or are they bringing their Chromebooks home and, and using those?
1: I personally don't know. Um, because I know some of my students like the second I say you can do it on your phone that's really really fun a lot of them um, have phones but they have to be connected to the internet they don't have service they just carry them around got it Um, so I mean it's not much different than if they use their chromebook many of them are on their chromebooks more than they should be at home so an excuse to take to be doing something productive is always appreciated I think
0: yeah Allegra you feel the same
2: I do, yeah. Uh, I think I think most kids, um, and and they're they're familiar with the music first platform on the Chromebook. You know, um, we don't because our district provides Chromebooks. We don't have phones out during the school day, right? So kind of have to go discover that on their own. Um, and most of them are on their phones, I feel like are tending to be on things that they can't get on on their Chromebook. You know.
0: Yeah, no, they're on they TikTok make- and Snapchat, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right, so I'm looking at the clock, and amazingly, we're, we're, we're a good chunk of the way in, and uh, I, have, I, I have two questions left. Um, so uh, time has flown, so let me just make sure I get to these. Um, and that is the advice question. So, uh, again, I'll start with Amanda this time. Um, what advice would you give to music teachers who are thinking about ad- adopting, sp- specifically um, in your situation, so a string teacher, thinking of adopting technology into their program? What advice? It could be about music first, but it could be about just in general.
1: So, um, like I said, I was grouchy about plenty of things. Um, you know, if it doesn't work exactly, I want to stop my feet. But I would say pick something. you're going to start composing with students commit to using note flight and really commit and and keep at it um i think i committed to begin with with note flight because that was the standard that i hit the least so um specifically referring to music first that gave me the opportunity to really get kids writing music which has opened a lot of doors for them because if they write it they can read it you know it's approaching literacy in a lot of different places I think the other music first uh, platform that you could see a lot of benefits from is sight reading factory and not to sound like a sales pitch but sight reading factory like Allegra mentioned is probably the single thing that has transformed my students confidence in their ability Um, part of you know it's It's not uncommon for a high poverty district like ours to have low literacy rates and low literacy rates is low music literacy rates. Right. And so if they can have the confidence, you know, you can scale down those sight reading factory sight reading examples to meet them where their reading is. They may be able to play at a grade level two and a half, three, but their reading might be at a a half or a one. And Sight Reading Factory gives us those opportunities to allow students to read where they are and raise that bar. So I would commit to one thing that you're gonna use and really learn how to do it and get comfortable. And also like I did in the beginning before I knew what I was doing, have students teach you. They they pick it up so fast, they're not afraid. They're not afraid to make mistakes because they know their Chromebook or iPad or whatever they're on won't be broken. They've made so they click on everything, so they're yeah, not well,
0: afraid to try. It. It's it's great because a lot of people have said that. But one thing, a point that I'd love to make, what very important, what you just said, is if you do a program evaluation, right, of your own. A lot of music teachers know exactly what the weak spots in their program are, right. So for me, my weak spots were sight reading and improvisation. Right? i'm I'm positive as well as as well as attendance, and they never practice well, but yeah. <laughs> um, but you know if you can look for a tool so in in your case, you said I wasn't doing composition, and note flight allowed me to do that, and my kids weren't confident with sight reading, so I brought that in. I think that's a great approach that everyone should take is first, the number one question is what part of my music program needs to be improved? And then how can I use the access to these tools uh, to improve it? Because uh, Amanda, you're, you're, I'm sure uh, that you're, you're creating much more well-rounded musicians as a result.
1: I mean, I actually, I say all the time, no one ever asked me to do these things when I was in middle school that I'm asking my students to do. It. And they're meeting success. And I'm not, that's not a knock on my teachers growing up. It's just the reality, we have these tools at our fingertips so we can ask students to do a lot more and they'll meet you. They'll do it because, you know, they, they want to learn how to do it.
0: Yeah, so I mean, the opportunity the wasn't tool. there. I mean, the, yeah. the, you know. great. Uh, so, Allegra, same question to you for advice. I'm sure that Amanda said uh, some of what you were going to say, but, uh, you know, what would you like to add to that in terms of advice for band directors?
2: Sure. Well, in terms of the trusting the kids to teach you, when I was, when we set up this podcast, I went and, you know, I have a folder in my Google Drive on music technology. So I just kind of went and looked in that and checked out, you know, all those kind of docs that you've all forgotten about that are in there. And I found one in there that said, um, that was titled Music First Kid Pilot. And I opened it up and all of a sudden I remembered when we adopted music first and you know you guys did all that great training and you sent people up and we had the webinars and all of a sudden we were just flooded with information and I was like okay I think I know what I'm doing but the first time I do this with kids should not be in front of 35 middle schoolers um and so I I saw my list of kids in there so I picked like five or six of my nerdiest eighth graders I made a batch of brownies and I said hey come after school with me one day. I'll feed you brownies. I want to just play around with you on music first. And so I have a list in that doc of things that I wanted them to try out on music first before I did it with my big class. And in that doc, I still have, oh yeah, you need to make sure that this is set on note flight so that they can view the activity template. I think that's old now, but Um, you know, this works really well. Did you make sure that the students can view it? So I kind of piloted it with the kids first, the manageable kids that weren't going to riot because A, they were my nerds and B, they had brownies.
0: Yeah. Can I I just say that is one of the coolest things I've ever heard from a teacher is that you, that you tested it out with some kids that you knew would give you a little bit of slack. Um, you, you made them brownies and you, and you figured everything out. That is a brilliant idea. Allegra, really well confidence done.
2: Confidence going into the classroom, too. You know, that I wasn't, that I knew what I was doing when, because again, like a man said, they're not going to break it, but we all know they can riot. So yep,
0: absolutely
2: gave me that confidence. So I would say that would be my advice. Um, and then my other thing, you know, we've talked, and of course, you know, there's so many of these tools for band and there's so many directions you can take it for band and there's so many directions you can take it for, band, so take it for strings. Um, and I talked about soundtrack in the general music setting. And then after we spoke earlier, I remembered that I had a kid from my fall semester come up to me the other day. Um, and this is, this is one of those sixth grade girls um, who is caught up in all of the TikTok and Snapchat drama yep. um, and has been suspended several times recently, I assume, for that. I don't know the details. I don't want to know the details. And she said, oh, Miss Smith, I missed your class so much. When I was home suspended the other day, I went on soundtrack.
0: <laughs> That's great. And I said,
2: well, we should try and not be suspended, but at least you're using your time recently. So, <laughs> you know, great. so don't forget about those general music kids because you give them the tools. And yes, they're doing things they're not supposed to, but hey, sometimes when they have those consequences, they're still getting a music education, even though they're out of your classroom. Apparently, yep. out of the classroom. So, I think it, taking the time to implement it there can have a really big effect um, on all sorts of other kids that you as a music teacher are not necessarily going to know, um, but it's still meaningful even if you don't know it.
0: Especially when you're giving opportunities for students to be creative who aren't going to have that um, performance experience. Because if I remember correctly, you said these are the kids that are not members of your ensembles. Um, and, and I bet you, Allegra, that, that some of those compositions are really eye-opening about the kids, about their life experience. And you probably have heard compositions and said, Oh my goodness, this is incredible. Yeah. From a, from a kid you didn't think was a quote unquote musician.
2: Right. And it's it's compositions, you know, they're not written out on note flight. There's no notation. Um, but it's they've got eight beat drum set loops in there. They've created they've pulled in the loops from soundtrack, they've done their own recordings on there. And I never taught Fade in Fade Out. They just went and figured it out.: Very know? cool. Yeah, is mean, what they've done with podcasting. For all I know, there could be podcasts out there. Um, they just they just run with it.
0: Awesome. All right. We're almost out of time. So I have the last question for both of you. And, you know, if you can get it to one, great. If you can't, I'll take two. But and I, I remember because I've spent time with both of you, I think twice doing training. So I think I know what you're going to say. But if you if, if, if both of you had a magic wand, and could say, poof, now music first does this or music technology in general. Um, what would it be? And we'll start with Amanda.
1: So um, I think this has come up when you've seen us. Uh, but I would love if Sight Reading Factory could be customizable, like pretty specific, like I could keep it on one string or have only open strings for beginners or when I'm teaching shifting just in the upper register of the instruments. Um, now, so,
0: than- I'm so happy you mentioned that, Amanda, because Don Crafton and Adam Rabung, who are dear friends of mine at Sight Reading Factory, you are the teacher. I have asked for that exact feature. I've called Yay! it the Amanda feature. I've, and so, Don and Adam, if you are listening, Amanda is the teacher that I've been talking about with these kind of customized the open string exercises I've asked for. Uh, so hopefully they're listening, Amanda, because it, it, I know that it, you know it's it always gets pushed down the priority list because a state will come and say, you know, hey, we want we want to use Site Reading Factory for our state, uh, you know, all state conference, and then they go, oh, okay, we're doing that. But I hope they're listening to you, Amanda because I I promise you, I've passed that along numerous times.
1: That's okay. I'll just keep asking, and one day I'll get it. It'll be like
0: this. Uh, yes. And Allegra, uh, uh, magic wand.
1: I think um,
2: for me, it would, and I, I mean, it's definitely a magic wand thing. Um, is getting some of these features um, available offline for kids. Um, oh, interesting. A lot of our, you know, the district provides Chromebooks for every kid, but not every kid has Wi-Fi access at home. Yeah. If they do have Wi-Fi access. Um, You know, what happened, maybe they had it, but then maybe the bill doesn't get paid, then they don't have it. So having some sort of offline capability, I think would be the next magical step to even further expand access for our kids um, with higher needs.
0: That's a it's a great suggestion. I can't make any promises because it's actually a huge project. Because Chromebooks are basically doorstops without the internet, as you probably know. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll I'll talk to our magic elves and see if there's any possibility of putting that on our. Uh, it's a great suggestion, Allegra. Thanks. So, uh, Amanda, Allegra, it's been a real treat to have two folks from the same school using it uh, using our products in different ways. I really appreciate the, the full honesty, candor, and, and I hope, I'm hope i glad you're not grumpy. Anymore. I'm sure there are days where you are, but I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad that hopefully the grumpy days are fewer than the happy days. Um, thank you both for being on the podcast, and uh, anybody uh, in the administration at Middletown City Schools that's listening, I hope you realize how two special, very special music educators you have teaching there. So thank you, ladies, for being with us, uh, and, and we look forward to hearing great things again in the future.
1: Thank you so much for having us. It's been a a fun way to spend an evening. It's been great, thank you, Jim.
0: All right, take care. Thank you for listening to Profiles in Teaching with Technology from Music First. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. If you would like to stay up to date with other music teachers doing innovative things in their classrooms with technology, please subscribe to our podcast through whatever outlet you listen to podcasts on
2: thanks for listening